Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. See everyone here. Um, it's another fifth Sunday. Another fifth Sunday, a youth takeover, a family Sunday. They let me up here a couple times a year to do this, and I, I'm very grateful every time. Um, but the youth band was on. We've got some of my family that are filling the stage roles, and it's just a time for, for the youth to come together and um, take over. We get to do all of the fun stuff in main service together. Um, trunk or treat, who went? Trunk or treat, yeah? We had a lot of faces there, a lot of new faces, a lot of familiar faces, um, but it was a ton of fun. I saw lots of cool trunks, lots of cool cars, and I had a couple pictures that I wanted to show you from last night. Let's see them. Is there another one in the... Just that one. Uh, That's from my private collection. You weren't supposed to see that one. It's even captioned, if you didn't know who that was. But if you don't know what this is that we're looking at, uh, some of you who do know who that handsome gentleman up there is, it's hilarious for you, but who don't know, you should have been there. You should have been at Trunk or Treat. Let me just say that. Um, it's Youth Sunday, and I know we have all the children in here this Sunday that from Children's Church that are coming to hang out with us, so I'm going to keep it clean this time. We're going to keep it clean this time. But uh, beyond Sunday is what we're in. We've been reminding everyone that our mission at Streams Church is to, Streams Church is all about connecting with Jesus, connecting with others beyond Sunday. We talked about parenting beyond Sunday. We talked about um, praying beyond Sunday, celebrating God beyond Sunday. And last week, Tony shared um, sharing our own story beyond Sunday and the importance of that. And this week being Youth Sunday, Family Sunday, where we have all of us together I get to talk about what God does when he redeems a family beyond Sunday. And uh, my family has always done pretty much everything together. Um, We've gone through a lot of good stuff over the years, a lot of fun trips, a lot of good memories, but also some not fun stuff. Um, But regardless of the adventure, we always did it together. My family was was tight-knit. We were close. And I want to preface this with, I'm not a parent. Um, and I'm not a husband yet, yet, um, but I am a son and I'm a brother and I'm a leader and, um, and I've witnessed a lot in regard to family over the years, uh, some of my own and some of not my own. I've seen good family dynamics, healthy families and some not so healthy family dynamics. Um, but my own family was built off of a foundation of God. It was, it was built on a foundation of loving God with all of their heart, both of my parents. And my story, a lot of my story, a big chunk of my story, is all about family. A family that was broken due to no fault of our own. It wasn't our fault, but it was broken. Um, and God redeemed our family in a miraculous way. Like Tony shared last week, the importance of sharing our story, I wanted to share probably the biggest piece of my story to date um, about my family. And in 2009, let's backtrack a little bit. I think it was 2009, somewhere around there. It's a little blurry, but we had the perfect family. It was perfect, at least my memory of it being nine or 10 years old. Um, We had my dad, my mom, 
uh, over there on the right. That's, I think, right before they got married. And then, oh my gosh, look at that pixelated. I didn't know that came in like that. But that's us. You can see kind of the blurs. That's supposed to be me, David, Andy, and Ava. And back when we were all together, we had three foster kids that lived with us, too. Um, it was the definition of the American dream. It was, uh, we had two little dachshunds, we had a big house in Levine, and we all got along. Um, it, was, it was perfect from what I remember. But then, all of a sudden, it changed. Um, one day, my dad wasn't in the picture anymore. He had uh, chose to leave his family due to his own natural consequences of what he chose to do. And now he's paying for that with years of his life in prison. And I've talked about it a little bit before, so I won't go too much into detail, but um, we had to say goodbye to our house. We said goodbye to our foster kids, or our foster siblings, and our dachshunds. And uh, we moved in with my grandparents. And for a little while, in this kind of time, this season, I didn't really know what family was supposed to look like at all. I had no real barometer of uh, a good family. I didn't know. And uh, I didn't know really who God was um, either. I had, um, I had known who God was through my mom, but I didn't really have a relationship. And some of you <clears throat> can relate to that story. Maybe you have a similar story, or you can relate to parts of it. Maybe uh, you can relate as a parent who had to do things alone for a while. Or maybe um, a child who felt abandoned. Maybe you have both of your parents or your spouse, but they don't really feel like family sometimes. Maybe most of the time. But the funny thing about family is uh, whether you like it or not, you're part of one. <laughs> we all have biological family in this room. Some of us are really close to our family. Maybe you meet weekly. Maybe you meet yearly. Maybe they live down the street, or maybe they live in a different state. Um, maybe the only family that you really have or you feel like you have is in this room, your church family. But families, even the one in this room, is messy. They can be messy. <clears throat> and sometimes they can look really nice from the outside, but behind curtains or closed doors, they can be something completely different. I bet, though, if I gave that mic to every single person in this room, I went and interviewed all of you and said, do you have the perfect family? I would not get a single yes, right? No one has a perfect family. But why is that? Well, I'm going to tell you the truth, because God put you in your family for a reason. God gave you the parents that you have to work into part of his plan. And God gave you the children that you're responsible for to, see, to have his glory be seen in them. Family is big to God. It's huge to God. Actually, the whole Bible is centered around God sacrificing his son for us, his family. And he's working out his miracles every day to bring families closer together or back together for the first time, no matter how dysfunctional. If there were anyone in the Bible that had a dysfunctional family, I would say Joseph had a pretty dysfunctional family. <laughs> and I'm going to, you might know this story, so we're going to recap some of it and, and look at some of the verses here. But um, basically, his brothers were extremely mad at Joseph. So Joseph's brothers were mad at him um, after he shared a dream, right? They were jealous. He was the favorite son. And they were angry, and they wanted to kill him, so they plotted it out. In Genesis 37, verse 24, it says, And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they fully intended to let him die there until they saw this caravan pass by. In verse 28, it says, 
And they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now, adding insult to injury at this point, they uh, killed a goat and dipped um, Joseph's coat of many colors into um, the blood. Um, and whatever was going on with this family had kind of finally come to a head, right? It was, it was kind of coming to um, its, its, uh, its climax. And after Joseph was sold into slavery, he found himself in and out of prison. He was in and out of prison, kind of working his way up. And, um, but his father went into a deep depression because he didn't know what happened to his son. He didn't know if he was really killed or if his family was on to something. Um, and the, the family was arguing about it. And so it started to divide the family right down the middle. Um, in spite of everything that happened to him, Joseph kept his faith in God. In, in Genesis 39, 23, it says, Because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Joseph never quit on his family. He never gave up hope. He never stopped loving them, and his heart yearned for them often. The famine in Israel provided the opportunity for Joseph's brothers to come to Egypt for help. Right, And, and Joseph is in Egypt at this time. And there, they bump into Joseph, um, and they don't know it's Joseph. And it, Joseph just so happens to be that he worked directly for Pharaoh, right? And so um, on one occasion, they brought Benjamin, Joseph's youngest, our younger brother. And in Genesis 43, 29 to 31, and this is the New Living Translation, reveals Joseph's deep love for that family. We get to see it right there. So then Joseph looked at his brother Benjamin, the son of his own mother, is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? Joseph asked. May God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried from the room because he was overcome with emotion for his brother. He then went into his private room where he broke down and wept after washing his face. He came back out, keeping himself under control. Then he ordered, bring out the food. And then the day finally came for that restoration in that family, right? In Genesis 45, verses 4 and 5, Joseph acts... Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Isn't that crazy? Joseph's fathers, or Joseph's father, brothers, and entire family eventually moved to Egypt, and Pharaoh made a way for them to have a great plot of land, and, uh, and that was the, kind of the, the conclusion of that story. That was the supernatural redemption. I think this passage from Joel, um, chapter 2, goes really well with Joseph's story. It's, it's kind of like a promise, right? Um, it says, I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, that hath dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. And looking at this story, I see parallels a lot to my own, um, because God restored my family, like Joseph. Um, and it took a long time, and it was really hard, especially in certain sections, right? But all the hurt, all the pain, all the, the dysfunction uh, of, our, of our lives, we had two options. We could either cling to each other, or we could either let our circumstances tear us apart, right? That was our only choice. And I'd like to say that we chose to stay together, 
um, but Mama raised us right. So it was more of a, it was more of a we had to, we had to do this. And I wanted to ask my mom some, some questions about her perspective, because you've heard a lot from me, my perspective. Um, and you may know her as a friend. Or one of your youth leaders. Um, or maybe just someone that makes you smile when she says good morning on a Sunday. Allow me to introduce the rock of our family, Danielle Miglio. So I had a couple questions um, about the redemption of our family, a little bit of parenting mixed in there, and uh, some before and after. So my first question to you is an easy one. It's a softball. Pretend like we didn't talk about this before. Um, but what's the secret to parenting? We did talk about this before. <laughs> <laughs> what's the secret? Um, I don't know if there's a secret to parenting at all. If there is, I'm sure I missed the mark. <laughs> But I think the big secret possibly is that you just parent and you actually do it. Because <laughs> I think a lot of people, they are a parent, but they don't parent. <laughs> and there are many times where I've gone to bed going, that was not good parenting, or I wasn't parenting. Okay, Jesus, let me redirect and figure out what to do. That was a lot, <laughs> still is. But I do think that 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 parenting and doing it with Jesus is like essential to everything and uh, doing it. I'm not just parenting a preschooler, I'm parenting a man of God or world changers. And so I would say that to my babies a lot. I am raising world changers. World changers do not behave like that. <laughs> Go sit on the timeout bench now. Um, I, uh, my next question is, what was something that you did differently after you were parenting solo as opposed to parenting as a team? He asked me that one, and I found, I found it conf confusing for me because in my mind, I just thought I better get my boots on. I did not know I was going to wear boots today. That's funny. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought everything... I'm good. Um, everything that their dad and I had prayed into our kids and wanted to do, I just thought, I'm not going to let that fail. Those were good prayers. Those were good intentions. Their dad and I were in youth ministry, and there was something we were not going to do. We were not dating. We were not doing certain things. You know what I mean? We were not going to let our kids date. We were not going to, because we saw some really yucky things as youth leaders, and I was like, uh-oh. So I thought, I'm not going to let those prayers and those intentions die. But it's just me. And so I literally would visualize in deep, difficult situations Jesus' yoke coming up alongside of me and taking that yoke. And all the things that we wanted to do as parents, I just did it. I just figured it out. And I would sometimes just switch the role. Okay, what would their dad do? What would you do, Jesus? And then that's what we did. And so my intention was I just had to work harder. <laughs> that was the only huge difference. When their dad left is I just had to work harder, and I had to be the priest in the home, but then after I would discipline really hard, I would say, let's come sit and watch a movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, was there something in particular that you clung to when things were tough? Jesus. That's kind of a <laughs> open to interpretation. 
I thought it was a 50-50 chance she was going to say Jesus or Dr. Pepper. That's, oh, I wasn't yes, sure. There was a lot of Dr. Pepper. We but, had a little, a little addiction for a minute, but that's okay. I gave it to Jesus, right? Amen? <laughs> Maybe, so what did that look like, though? Was there something that you did um, regularly that, that when, when things were tough that um, did you pray a certain prayer or go to um, a certain verse? I know I had, I had said it before one time when I came up here, but it is the stuff that you do outside of Sunday that's those devotions, those prayer times, those journaling, those going to Bible studies, those, I just want to strive to be a better daughter of the King that helped me through that. If I had not have laid that uh, groundwork, if those plow lines were not already established behind me, I don't know if I would have been able to put my boots on and gird myself up because I didn't, I don't know if I would have known what those things were to do, what to do. If I didn't know where my armor of God was, I don't know if I would have been able to continue. Um, was there a moment that you felt like we were fully redeemed as a family? That was the only question that Isaac asked me that I was like, I don't know if I know that answer. Am I redeemed? I, I don't know. And I was thinking about it, and this morning God woke me up. There was a time that uh, I was, uh, so I moved our little family to Tucson on a whim and zero money because there was a program there for displaced wives and women in transition. And I was like, well, that's me. Let's go on nothing. And I figured out how to be a, fa a single mom with four kids in a dumpy apartment and how to go back to school. And it was during that time I, we started, we, were, we always went to counseling. I think counseling is amazing. Always go to counseling. <laughs> and it was during that season that uh, my counselor, I was teaching this class to these women who um, were in transition. And uh, it's just uh, one of the phrases in this book that I was teaching called Save People. It's, they said, trust is earned. And I'm saying it, and I hear God say, is it earned, Danielle? Like, have I earned your trust? And it started this conversation in my head that I wasn't ready for. And he slowly started saying, Danielle, at the end of the day, when you in, get into bed, all you list is what you didn't accomplish and what it, you didn't do, and I'm asking you if I can have that. Because I wasn't really giving grace and beautiful things to people because she had zero for herself. At the end of the day, God said, what, do you, what was your favorite verse in Mission X? What, what sort of things that are lovely? That's the good report. I'm sitting at the end of your bed with a checklist saying, tell me the good stuff. And all you're doing is listing the stuff that you didn't do that no one can do without a husband. Like, you can't do that. And so I shifted my talking, and I would weep, and I would find something good. And it was really hard for, like, a minute before I started that headspace of, eh, we did devotions today. Because sometimes that was all I had good to say. <laughs> because it wasn't enough. I didn't know if I was going to make rent, or if I was going to do a good thing, or if I was gonna not going to be tired enough, or... Could I fit all their needs? Am I putting Jesus in them? Are they going to know? And so it was during that time that I felt grace for myself, and then I could give it more to others. And that was the only memory that God said, that's when you started. Hmm. Now, maybe I was, was redeemed before that. I don't know. But that was the first memory that came to me that really was a pivotal moment for me all by myself as a single person, raising these world changers. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Mom. Thank you so much.
I hope someone someone got something from that. It's it's um it's always nice to hear from from wisdom wisdom from I want to say an older generation, but that might be rude. Um, but this is really just a part of my story. Um, but it's my family, so it's it's a huge part. Um, all of us in this room have a family. We talked about that, and we have each other here in this congregation in this room. But what about beyond Sunday? Um, how does this have to do with our mission at Streams? How does the redemptive work of our Lord fit into church beyond Sunday in families? Well, the funny thing is all this happened in my life and my family's life outside of Sundays. All of it did. Um, and now, because of that work, our, our family serves every single Sunday um, in, all different, in all kinds of, of different ways. Um, because of our mom's faithfulness and God working in that and through that, Streams Youth has a pastor, and that's me. Junior high has a leader, a co-leader. Um, the Miglios took up 28.57% of the worship team this morning. And that's, that's two out of seven, in case you want to check my math. And 50% of the youth worship team, depending on the night. Um, because of God's redemption in our family, we have helpers in children's ministry almost every week. And we have leaders in youth ministry. And that's just on Sundays. Outside of Sundays, we, we all strive to be examples wherever we go. Because the same redemption that saves us all from eternal separation is the same redemption that works in our families every single week. And what I want to speak over all of you this morning is that no matter where your family is at, God is still working on it. There's redemption to be had in every family. No family's perfect. And God cares about it. My favorite verse from Joseph's story was at the very end when he says, it was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. God still used the pain and the separation and the dysfunction of that family to restore and preserve that same family. Um, I'm going to look at Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, because it talks about love, and I don't know how this doesn't apply to family. Um, it says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another and love, honor, in uh, love, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. I think this not only applies to our families um, and our own little, little family units all throughout this room, but as a church family, inside of a Sunday and beyond Sunday. And if we break down what Paul's saying, it's, it's fairly simple, right? Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted in love. What does that look like, to be devoted in love? Honor one another beyond yourself. Um, some of us may have the honor one another, maybe 40 to 45% of the time, but maybe not beyond yourself, right, above yourself. Because I can honor my brother, but is that honoring above myself, putting him, putting him above myself? Never be lacking in zeal. The ESV says do not be slothful in zeal. And we should have a whole sermon set aside to this right here because um, this is a command to take responsibility for your own spiritual condition. 
to command, to take, to take it up and do something about it. That jadedness, the half-heartedness, the I don't want to go to church this week, the dusty Bible that hasn't seen a highlighter in years, all of that lacking in zeal is exactly the kind of thing that has a direct impact not only on you, but the people that are closest to you. And who's closest to you? Your family, right? They're the ones that's going to see it. How are you serving the Lord? Because your family sees it. How is your family serving the Lord? Paul also says to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Now, I can be joyful in hope when there's hope to be joyful in, right? I'm an optimist. Um, I can be patient in affliction as long as the affliction's not too bad. And I can be faithful in prayer sometimes. But this is a command. These are commands. What would your family look like if you followed them? Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, I've got it all down. All, everything that you've mentioned so far, I'm pretty good at, right? But I still don't have redemption. I still don't have a happy ending. Not all of our families have been redeemed, right? Um, even my family is missing one of its teammates that will never fully be there as it was intended. There was a guy at men's retreat this year that shared his story with his family and how um, there was no happy ending. It was just a prayer, a petition, a, a, this is where I'm at, and it, it kind of sucks. He was, uh, he was waiting on a miracle. He was waiting on redemption. He was doing everything he could to redeem his family, himself. And that really stuck with me because I remember feeling that when my parents first said to me they were getting divorced. I remember feeling that when we had to leave town to town, ripping up our lives and putting it somewhere else. And I, I feel that now, often, when we don't have a, a dad, you know, to show us things, to teach us things, to be there. I think God is still redeeming every family in this room, improving it, making it whole. If not with your kids, then your parents, then your spouse. But the question is, what are you doing beyond Sunday for your family, for the relationships in your family? And I haven't just been talking to parents. I hope you guys get that over here, the youth row. It's not just about parents. And Sundays are great to come together in fellowship and community, and we get to praise and worship and hear a great message. Maybe we get to hang out in youth. But it wasn't, if it wasn't for the work that was done beyond Sunday, I wouldn't be up here. Through devotion to one another, honoring one another, keeping our spiritual fervor, joy and hope, patience, prayer, and hospitality, God can redeem any family in this room or out of it. Through sincere love, God can redeem any family. I just want to pray that over you this morning. Heavenly Father, I just pray that the spirit of, of redemption, of healing, of, of peace just falls into this room. There are families in here that are hurting there are families in here that are broken. There are families in here that are missing members. And I just want to pray that you are, are working on that. But I also challenge you, Lord, to, to stir something in our hearts, stir something in our own spirit that, that makes us want to do more, makes us want to do better. Because Sundays are 
amazing. But if we are not doing the work to restore ourselves and to restore our families beyond Sunday, it's not going to fix itself. So Lord, I pray that you move us to do the work. I pray that you can move in us and do the work yourself. Please, Lord, restore families this morning. Redeem us, redeem us all, redeem all of our families. We love you, Lord, we praise you. Thank you, Jesus, so much for all that you've done. In your name we pray, amen.